0: I want to ask you a question. What is the most stressful thing in your life? Now, I had no idea that Rich was going to mention stress tonight. um, And he gave you the stress relievers. But I actually want you to think about that for a minute. What stresses you out the most? And I want you to just take a minute and talk to another person at your table and talk about what it is that stresses you out. Go ahead, go for it. I'm going to stop you there. Some of you took this assignment seriously. Some of you reached for more wine. All good. But here's my question. Raise your hand if what you talked about was related to your children. Raise your hand if what you talked about was related to your parents. Perhaps, perhaps you talked about something that was related to your health, or a family member's health, or maybe it had to do with finances. But my guess is that in almost all cases, you talked about or thought about something over which you have very little control. Right? I did the exercise with myself and my family first. My comments tonight are based on a book entitled The Self-Driven Child, The Science and Sense of Giving Your Kids More Control Over Their Lives. Through research and practice, the authors made a few findings. The first is that anxiety is closely linked to a low sense of control. Conversely, a healthy sense of control is related to virtually everything we want for our children, including physical and mental health, academic success, and happiness, and the third is that autonomy is key to developing internal motivation. I'm going to start by sharing a personal story about my need for control and how my need usurped my daughter's need for control over her own life. Four years ago, my daughter was a senior in high school. Some of you know I have three daughters. And my daughter was a senior, and she was going through the wonderful process of thinking about colleges. We'd spent the summer visiting lots of them. She'd been thinking about them. We'd been having lots of conversations. And I really wanted her to apply early decision. My two other daughters had applied early decision. They had gotten into their school that they had applied to. And it was just great for me. And so I would have this conversation with my daughter on a fairly regular basis about why it was a good idea for her to apply early decision. And of course, in my, excuse me, in my mind, it really was about the fact that we had a little more control statistically, perhaps. So this went on a number of times. And one evening, when I was sitting on the couch with my husband, my daughter walked down the steps. She had just gotten off the phone with her older sister and she said the following. Her sister's name is Yarden. Yarden told me, who she's eight years older than her by the way, Yarden told me to just tell you that I'm not applying early. (laughs) And so she didn't. And it was at that moment that I realized that I needed her to apply early decision because I felt it gave us more control over the decision. But in turn, My need for control overtook her need for control over her own life. So fast forward four years. She went to the school of her choice, and she graduated very happily. And she is employed, by the way. I would just like to say that. She is employed. I do need to still help her because you really can't live in Boston on a starting salary, but all is good. Regardless of background, regardless of ethnicity or race or family structure or socioeconomics, we all do better when we feel like we can impact our world. This is true for adults and it's also true for children. Having a sense of control is actually an antidote to stress. Stress is the unknown, it's the unwanted, it's the feared. Sonia Lupian at the Center for Studies on Human Stress has an acronym for what makes life stressful. See if this makes sense for you. She talks about novelty, something you've not experienced before. Yes, it makes you nuts. The unpredictable, something you had no way of knowing would occur. The threat to the ego, your safety or competence as a person is called into question. And finally, the sense of control. If you have confidence that you can impact a situation, it will be less stressful. Here's an example. In a study of sense of control, researchers found that being able to push a button to reduce the likelihood of an annoying sound reduced stress level, even if the person did not push the button. A common example of needing to feel in control is how many people feel feel about the relative safety of driving versus flying. Most people feel safer when they're driving because they believe they're more in control than when they get on an airplane. And as I'm sure you know, driving is not statistically safer than flying. Why do we get so frustrated when there's traffic on the highway, even when we're not in a rush to be somewhere? Because we can't impact the situation. It's out of our control. And take that one step further. When the highway's backed up, why do we get off the exit, take the back roads, even when it won't save time? Why do we change lanes even though it makes virtually no difference? It gives us a sense of control. You've undoubtedly experienced the power of control or lack of control and its effect on stress in relation to your children, such as when they're sick or struggling or hurting. It's stressful to us because we can't fix it for them. How stressful, for those of you who have teenagers or older, was that first week of driving on his own or her own. Incredibly so, because we couldn't control what happened on the road. How many of us say to our children, we know you're a good driver, but we don't know about everyone else on the road. Agency or the capacity to act and influence our environment may be the most important factor in human happiness and well-being. We hear it from our children from a very young age. I do it myself. Or, you are not the boss of me. This is the wise older sister when she was three. At age three, insistent on climbing a very high element, meant for an eight-year-old, at a park near our house in Israel. It was one of the many times that she said the single word, myself. As adults, we sometimes tell our children that they are in charge of their own lives. But do we really mean it? if we proceed to micromanage their homework, their after-school activities, and their friendships. Our role as parents is not to force them to follow a track we've laid out for them. It's to help them develop the skills to figure out what is the right track for them. Since 1960, high school and college students have continually reported lower and lower levels of internal locus of control. The belief that they can control their own destiny And notably and sadly, this change has been associated with an increased vulnerability to anxiety and depression. Why the change? Is it possible that our parents didn't have the mental and emotional space to control their children's lives because they were too busy providing for their families? Or perhaps they understood the importance of their children's locus of control, even if they couldn't articulate it. I know that my parents often said to me, it's your life, and they actually meant it. I started by talking about stress, and I want to be clear that not only are we unable to protect our children from all stressful situations, it would not be good for them if we did. In fact, when kids are constantly shielded from circumstances that make them anxious, it tends to make their anxiety worse. We want our children to experience discomfort and stress in small doses to help them learn how to successfully deal with stressful situations in order to develop resilience. In last year's talk, I referred to it as an immunization. A little bit of that pathogen, whether it's a virus or a bit of stress, helps to build up resistance and to protect against the more severe version. How does this work? If a child feels that he's in control in a stressful situation, then later, when he might actually not be in his control, his brain will be equipped to handle the stress better. Now you may be thinking, but doctors continually say that stress is a contributing factor to heart disease. But all stresses are not equal and the way we approach stress matters greatly. One of our faculty's professional development summer books was called The Upside of Stress by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. In this book, the author shows how to cultivate a mindset that embraces stress and how to activate the brain's natural ability to learn from challenging situations and experiences. The National Scientific Council on the Developing Child has identified three types of stresses. Positive stress motivates children and adults to grow and take risks and perform at a high level. It helps us focus. Tolerable stress occurs for relatively brief periods and can also build resilience if supportive adults are present, but it requires time to cope and recover. And the one we hope never happens, toxic stress frequent or prolonged, severe or chronic. And this type of stress is characterized by a lack of support of adults on hand to minimize exposure to things that a child is not developmentally ready to handle. Toxic stress does not prepare children for the real world. It actually damages their ability to thrive. Here are two potentially stressful situations that might fall into the first category that a child or adolescent might, encourage, might encounter. Your child was excluded by two of her friends. Your child is upset because he felt criticized by a teacher. It hurts us to see our children hurt. That hurt may even stay with us long after our child has forgotten it. We want to protect our children from suffering and hurt. Nonetheless, it is your child's problem. There's a difference between taking it on as your own versus supporting the child to help her see that she can have a sense of control over her life, especially if we're willing to let go a bit. Our job is not to solve our children's problems, but to help them learn how to run their own lives. We need to guide and support and teach and help and set limits, but their lives are their own. Why? Why does this work? Because the brain develops according to how it's used. By giving your child the opportunity to make decisions for himself while still young, You'll help him to develop the brain circuits that are necessary for resilience in the face of stress. You may be familiar with the three parts of the brain that regulate stress and impulse control, but just in case you're a little rusty, I'll give you a layperson's version. The three parts of the brain that regulate stress and impulse control are the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive control center of the brain, responsible for planning and organizing judgment and impulse control. Unfortunately, it's the part that isn't fully developed until a person is in their 20s, which gets in the way of an adolescent's judgment. The second is the amygdala. the most It's almost the primitive part, certainly the emotional center of the brain. It processes fear, anger, and anxiety. It senses and reacts instinctively to protect us from danger. And you may remember that I mentioned chronic stress. That kind of stress actually enlarges the amygdala and makes a person more vulnerable to fear, anxiety, and anger. And the third is the hippocampus. This is where memories are created and stored. Equally important is that it helps turn off the stress response. It provides perspective, kind of like a friend who can talk you off the ledge. It reminds you that nothing terrible is actually going to happen. Well, you may be thinking, okay, I get what the brain has to do with stress, but what does this little mini lesson on the brain have to do with the sense of control? And the answer is this. The brain develops according to how it is used, as I said before. A small experience of control for your child over his or her circumstances, such as choosing his own clothing or decorating her own room or choosing the order in which to get chores or homework done, activates the prefrontal cortex, and conditions it to respond effectively. Strengthened by this sense of control, the brain's executive control system grows stronger rather than ceding power to the amygdala at the first sign of stress. By giving your five-year-old the ability to choose her clothing, even if it clashes or looks terrible, in your opinion, you will be helping her to cope better in many situations, including those she actually won't be able to control, like where she's told to sit when she's taking a standardized test, or when someone breaks up with her. Now that this lesson on the brain is over, I'd like you again to turn to the person next to you, and I'd like you to brainstorm together what is something that you currently have control over that you could actually give control to your child. Go ahead. Thank mm-hmm. you. I hope that this conversation will continue in your homes. I'm not suggesting that all decision-making should be ceded to our children. In fact, we don't want to give children unlimited choices. That, that can be stressful for them as well. Kids feel most secure when they know that there are adults there to help them make the decisions that they are not yet ready to make themselves. So what I'm saying is this, when it comes to making decisions about your children's lives, We should not be deciding things that they are capable of deciding themselves. Of course, as adults, we do get to set boundaries. And why should we do this? Why should we let them have this practice? There are a few good reasons. It'll help them develop the part of the brain that's responsible for good decision-making and sound judgment. Having a sense of control is an important antidote to stress, and it will help them to cope better when they actually don't have control. Now, you might be wondering, how nice that Carol is telling us as parents what should we, we should be doing. But where does the school and a sense of control come into this? This is the quote in the book, in chapter eight of The Self-Driven Child. From preschool through college, we want kids to have a school experience that's engaging and inventive. School should provide a mixture of stimulation and downtime. It should encourage kids', encourage kids natural curiosity. In an ideal school, teachers have autonomy and kids have choices. This type of school environment provides a nearly perfect model of an internal locus of control. Unfortunately, this isn't the direction schools are going. Well, I'd like to suggest to the authors that they come to visit the Foot School. <laughs> Whether it's teacher autonomy or child choice, it's an integral part of the fabric of our school. The idea of choice is something that FOOT offers students throughout the grades, from choice time in kindergarten to choice of materials and subjects and styles in art class to different ways of showing mastery of material to project-based learning across the curriculum. Our clubs and activities give students practice in making decisions and learning from their mistakes. Our outdoor education program in the lower grades and our philosophy of unstructured play at recess time throughout the grades help help students with executive functioning and give practice to that prefrontal cortex. The examples are too numerous to mention. We also work to help students make their own decisions and take responsibility for handling difficult situations, whether they are with a peer or with a teacher. Not immediately jumping in as an adult builds resilience and gives students faith in their own ability to make decisions and solve problems and ultimately deal with the stress of the unknown, the unwanted, and the feared. So this evening, I've shared with you some research and tried to make it relevant to you. And while research is great, I also wanted to give voice to our children. So last week, I spent some time in the fifth through ninth grade classes talking to students and asking them two questions. The first was, if you could give parenting advice to your parents, what would you say? Now, I did follow that up with, it cannot be, you should let us stay up all night playing video games. And the second question was, how could your parents be most hopeful to you in getting your homework done? I thought I'd share some of their perspectives and I want to give a word before this. I've injected some numerous ones in there. There's some stuff in here you should really listen to. And I have to tell you that what I did, and my kids are grown, I actually showed them what was in here. And we talked about the things that My husband and I did well and not so well. And it was a humbling experience. And so I share it with you. And you'll also see by the end just how incredible foot children are. So the question was advice to parents from your children. I think you should be more flexible about letting me be more independent. Don't tell me to stop yelling when you are yelling. Let me have more freedom. Maybe let me make more of my own decisions. You overreact sometimes, so please don't be so worried. Trust your child's choices. Don't ask me something if you already have an answer in mind. Don't tell me what to do if you know I already know it. Let me make more of my own decisions and give me more responsibility. Don't suggest grapes or granola for dessert. And it was written exactly like this, by the way, with the capital letters. How about chocolate cake? Now, there's probably someone in here who knows that it's them. (laughs) Communicate more with me. If I do a good job, praise me. Take time to listen to what your children say. To be a great parent, let me have certain freedoms until I prove that I cannot handle these privileges and need to have stricter rules. Can you please give me an Apple Watch? (laughs) They wrote these on index cards. That's why I put them this way. Don't make us eat zucchini. We strongly dislike it. Always listen to your child. Underneath the silliness in schoolwork, your child could have good ideas, like me. Overall, I think you are amazing parents, but I think you should lighten up sometimes. But I understand you are stressed. (laughs) You could let me have more quiet time to let me have some time to be by myself to be able to think. I think that you should let me make more of my own choices. Trust me. Give me my space. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be more worried about my test than I am. It makes me more stressful. Makes it more stressful for me. Keep on helping me with my feelings. Give me freedom to try even if I fail. When I say I don't care, I don't really mean it. Please understand that. (laughs) Allow us to make more decisions. If you try to stop our decisions where something could go wrong, we can't learn from it. Keep being awesome. You're doing your best to be a parent, and that's all I need. Keep going. You're the best. And the second question was how you can help me to get my homework done. Give tips to help understand the problem, but don't just give the answer. Make sure to leave a little time for homework over the weekend. You could give me advice to help me organize my homework. You could be more patient when I don't understand directions. I know it's simple. Give me help when I need it. Leave me alone when I don't need help. I'll let you know. Unless I tell you otherwise, I've got my homework covered. Don't hover so much at homework time. You can help me with homework by helping me stay focused. Could you play with the dog when I'm doing homework? Don't overbook my afternoons. Help me understand the directions or help me feel less stressed about it. How you can help me with homework is leaving me alone unless I ask for your help. You can sit in the room or at the table with me. Just don't tell me to do something unless I ask you for advice. Don't get frustrated when I don't understand something. Ask me questions instead of giving suggestions. Let me be more independent on my homework. If you can please leave me alone while I do my homework, thank you. (laughs) (coughs) I think that it's important to help your child during the race, but let them cross the finish line. I think you can see just how wise and thoughtful and um, even, I don't know, just just really interesting um, ways that our kids are thinking about things. I hope you enjoyed hearing their words and that perhaps one of them gave you pause. I know that as I read them, I thought about what I could have done differently. As always, thank you for coming, thank you for caring, thank you for engaging, and thank you for being such excellent partners.